I'm glad to be here this with you this morning. I'm so excited to be up here and sharing with you. I've been here before. I love coming up to Coleraine and sharing with, having some time to share with you guys. Boy, I tell you what, it's been a busy couple of months, right? November hits and Thanksgiving and Christmas. I mean, New Year's, all those things kind of happen to us right at the end of the year. And then, you know, we've got a huge event coming up that's just huge. Everybody's looking forward to it. You know, advertisers want to be a part of it. They're just, everybody's excited about what's going to be involved with it. And I'm talking about vision night. (laughs) If any of y'all thought I was talking about something else, I don't care about that. I don't even know what's happening, but I'm just saying vision night's happening. Rick brought it up. I'll be here. You should be here. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to have a great time seeing what's happening, what has happened and what's going to happen. Now, It has been a whirlwind couple of months. Rick mentioned it. There's been some transition that we've been talking about. He's retiring. Nathan's stepping in as senior minister. He mentioned that the elders have asked me graciously to step in and become the new campus pastor for for Ross Township. And, And Pam, my wife, and I are so excited to be a part of that for March to get here. I mean, honestly, if we just skipped February, I'd be good with it. I don't like the weather in February anyway, honestly. It's just cold, and honestly, Valentine's Day is the only thing in there. And who, I'm married. Who even cares about that? <laughs> like, she's she not here. She doesn't know. All right? Like, I got kids. We don't have Valentine's Day. It's like, here's some cards, honey. Let's go change a diaper, all right? Like, that's what Valentine's Day is. But seriously, we're excited for March to get here because we love you guys. If you saw that video that they played of Pam and I telling you how much we love White Oak, I cannot emphasize that enough to you. And the things that we have felt and the prayers and the encouragement that we've gotten from all of you over the last month or so has just really proven why we love White Oak. Because this is a place where just love oozes out. That's oozing out sounds gross, but it's what it does. Love is oozing out of the people at White Oak. And we have felt that. And we've had so many people share with us how they're praying for us, how encouraged they are. And just, we want to say thank you. Thank you to the elders. Thank you to all of you and all of you who have encouraged us and will continue to encourage us. And we're so excited to be a part and to continue to lead and and jump into the ministry and dive into the ministry here at White Oak. Because again, as we started this series in January that talks about made for more, Rick mentioned that made for more moment. That's where I'm living right now, right? I'm, I'm realizing that calling that God has put on my life, you know, something 20 years ago, and then I get to experience that, that I get to live in that made for more moment. So I encourage you to be, to be part of this made for more series. We're going to be, it's, it does go through the end of January and into February, and you're going to hear a lot of that, but we're going to continue that kind of, those ideas throughout 2020. Because we want to be focused on how we're made for more. That's what White Oak's here to do. You know, White Oak wants to equip you guys. We want to equip you for, for the ministry that God has really called us all to do. We want to mobilize God's people in God's way. And that's why we've really been thinking about that. We don't want to be a place where people say, where the church says, we can do it and you can help. No, we're using that Home Depot slogan. I got a Home Depot bucket here. I've never used that personally, but I'm just, I, Home Depot should realize that I, I cannot do it myself, right? Like, I need Home Depot to come to my house and do it. Like, they say, we, you can do it, we can help. And that's what White Oak really wants to do. We want to help you do it, to be the ministry. We look at you as the front lines of the kingdom, right? I'm here to serve you, to serve Ross, to serve Colerain. And so as a result, we really want to be jumping into where God has, has gone with us. And, and the, Paul wrote this book of Ephesians that really hits on this idea of 
being more, the more, being made for more. And if you haven't been with us the first few weeks, I'm going to go through these more, some of the things we've done just to get you caught up. But if, I would encourage you to go through and listen to some of the, the sermons or messages that have been shared over the last few weeks to get caught up. But I'll give you a quick synopsis because really what these more statements are doing is they're encouraging the fullness of Jesus in the world. That's really what they're doing. They're trying to fill the world with Jesus. They're being made for more. So that first week we talked about how Jesus is more, right? Jesus is more. That Jesus is filling everything and every place and every time. See, Jesus is already the Lord of all. We know that. He's been, he didn't live in just one place or one time. He continues to reign and continues to live throughout history. And so this is that idea that Jesus is more. In Ephesians 1.22, it says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Then in the next week, we learned we're made to be more. The church was made to be more. And we talked about how we're all masterpieces, right? We're masterpieces made for a certain purpose in the body of Christ. I looked at my wife that day, and I said, You're a masterpiece. I said that wrong because I was like, you're a masterpiece, but you're actually a masterpiece. She didn't get it, and then she had to catch up with me. Um, But no, we are a masterpiece, and we're made for that certain purpose in the body of Christ. Not the church is in just this building, right? We're talking about the kingdom, the people. Ephesians 2.10 puts it best when it says, so that through the church... The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. We're a testimony to the workmanship of God so that all will know. And then last week we had that idea of we're made to love more, right? We're made to love more. Jesus is filling us up. He's filling us inside of our souls. And when that happens, we learned about that from Ephesians 3. We're being filled with Jesus' spirit. And when we're filled, that love just flows out of us. It oozes out of us. We can't keep it contained because Jesus is so powerful. So that's what we heard. We heard that great testimony last week, right, about how the love fills out of us. And that's why we're a testimony. Our lives are a testimony. And we're called to something more. Jesus wants to empower the church for its full potential. So Paul, knowing this, he's writing about all these things to the church in Ephesus at the time, okay? So he's, he's encouraging them. And I'd encourage you, open up your Bibles, uh, pull out your Bible app on your phone and follow along here if you use that. And if you don't have a Bible, we've got some free ones at the Hub, all right? Take a Bible. We would love for you to be reading that throughout 2020 and beyond. Um, but we're, we're going to be in the fourth chapter of of Ephesians, all right? And and we're going to start right here at the beginning, and, and this is what Paul says. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now see, Paul was telling the church in Ephesus, that his intention for this part of the letter, so this part of the letter he's, he's going into is basically saying like, I want you to live the life that God's called you to have. I want you to focus on your calling. 
And you, you've heard me share this before. I've shared this idea here with you before. But being called is not just something that Rick or Nathan or Kevin or now me, are, it's, it's just for us. That The calling is just for those people that are in the ministry. No, God has called us all into the ministry. He's called us all to some purpose or some gift of the kingdom. And that's why today's big idea is I am made to do more. See, God's calling us all to do more with the gifts and talents that he's given to us. And he wants us to make the most of that calling for his kingdom. So we're going to continue on and and move down a little bit here in, in the fourth book, fourth chapter of Ephesians. And we're going to go into verse 11. And this is what he reads Verse 11 through 16, here's what Paul wrote. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What Paul is pointing out here is that it's vitally important these, these gifts and skills are vital to, the, to help with the mission of the church. He says it right there in verse 11. There were five of them. He said, I give the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Now, these are different than the spiritual gifts, or some of them look the same as the spiritual gifts you may have heard of before. But we want to pay close attention to what Paul's really trying to say here because he's, he's teaching us something. He's saying these are important because there's some things that are going to get in the way and there's some things that will cause us to get off mission. So as a result, we need these gifts for the church to move forward because he says right there it, it, earlier in the passage, he says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Now, for those of you that have kids, you'll, and if you've ever heard me talk before, my kids make me laugh a lot. But I can tell you something that makes me laugh about my kids. Have you ever tried to trick your kids? I'm telling you right now, it's easy to trick kids. They, do, they believe stuff that's like, there's no reason you should believe it. Like, I'm not a magician at all. I have no magical skills. I don't have really good sleight of hand. Like, I can't trick you. I, I just won't be able to do it up here. But my kids believe I can do magic. Because if I'm quick enough, I can make something disappear just by putting it behind my back without them seeing it. And they're like, whoa, where'd that go? It's behind my back. Like, I don't know how you didn't see that. But they believe it. And they believe the things that just are should not be believed. But that's how kids are. They don't have experience with certain things in the world. They don't, they don't really get it because they're like, oh, I don't know that that can't be done. 
And so the interesting thing is that there's adults out there that also struggle with this. I mean, lack of knowledge or experience in one place or another will make you believe something that just isn't true. I mean, how many times have we heard of people who, leave, who lose their entire life savings or huge amounts of money because someone has tricked them into giving it away? They've told them a story that sounded good, sounded sad, and sounded like somebody needs something, and they gave it away, and it was just not real. And as believers, we're not immune to this either. When you're new to faith and when you're just learning about grace and God and you're learning about the gospel, oftentimes someone can, can say the right words or, or be a smooth talker or, or just give you an idea that doesn't really fit into biblically, but you're, you buy into it because you just don't get it. And that's what Paul was really concerned about with the church in Ephesus. He's saying, someone's going to come along and convince you of something that's just not true, and we need these people We need to be concerned with the lack of maturity in our believers, that we need these people. And what do these people do? Paul said it. He said they help them to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Grow up. We got to help our kids grow up. And that's what Paul's saying all these people need to do. These gifts are going to help us grow up into him who is the head, into Christ. And so he gives us these five gifts Now, in the previous couple of weeks, you may have heard Kevin or Nathan or Rick share about um, this gifts and passion assessment that we've provided to you, okay? And as a part of this, these, these gifts and passions assessments, they actually will tell you where you fall into one of these five-fold giftedness. That's what it's called, right? So which of these five gifts? Because you've all got one of these gifts, And this will help you to discern what that is. Now, if you haven't taken it, and I encourage you to do that because it only takes about 20 or 30 minutes. It's carve out some time today. It's on your program there. If you want directions on how to get to it, it's in the app. It's on our website. But I encourage you to take it because as you fill that out and you you complete that, White Oak then can get that information and kind of actually help you, encourage you through your gifts. That's what we're here to do. And I took that assessment. I was able to take that. And, and the, one of the gifts that it told me that I have is evangelist. And I'll be honest with you, when I read that, I thought, they don't know what they're talking about. Because I'm sitting here thinking, really? Like, I'm no Billy Graham, or Franklin Graham even, his son. Like, if you were to put a Graham on me, it'd be more like a Graham cracker. <laughs> like... No, I'm not, I'm not one of these guys that gets up in front of thousands of people and calls them to the Lord. Like, that. just didn't see that. But as you get through that assessment and you finish it, it gives you some details. It actually gives you some material that you can read through that says, like, here's what that gift really means. And so as I read through that, and I started to feel more comfortable with that gifting, And it challenged me to think about where in your life have you seen that gifting come out and and play in your life? So I encourage you to do that because it's going to help you with that. But I know some of you may have taken it or you're going to take it. And today I just want to spend a little time with you just breaking down these these gifts because I don't want you to be concerned or, or, or scared of what these gifts really mean. So I'm going to talk a little bit about them so that we can kind of feel more comfortable 
And as I go through this, I think about it. I want you to think about a few things. Be thinking about these in the back of your mind. I think about an organization or a church and how these gifts impact those and how without them, these things would not be successful. And I want you to say that if you've taken the assessment or if you're thinking about taking it, I want you to think about where you fall or where you think you might fall so that you can really be thinking, like, does that fit me? So the first one that we have was apostles. Now, apostles, they extend and they expand the mission, okay? These are the people that are going to help grow an organization or a church. They're the pioneers, right? The people that really are really pioneering new innovations. And in the faith context, we call these people the sent ones, right? They're really all about getting the faith transmitted to every context in every generation, in all cultures. They're thinking about the future. They're bridging barriers. They're establishing the church in places where the church has never been. They're all about getting out there, developing leaders, networking. And the thing about it is if all you've got is apostles, the interesting thing is if you just have apostles, that's great. They're going to be doing a lot. But the problem is you're going to have some people who feel left behind or wounded because they don't feel like they're getting cared for, because these people are so concerned with going forward that they don't care about the people, necessarily. Then you have prophets. Prophets are people who know God's will and question and critique. Now, these people are particularly attuned to what God has for a truth for us today. They really hear God's truth. They want to challenge the dominant assumptions that we inherit from the culture. They're they're all about challenging the status quo. And they want people to really obey what God has commanded. In the business world or in the just in the organizational world, these are really the people that are are they see injustice or something that's just not right and they want to fight it. They really want to really take hold of it and make sure that doesn't happen to anybody else. Now, the thing is, is, if all you have is prophets, again, prophets are important. If all you have is prophets, what we have sometimes is people just become activists. And they, and they lose sight of like, being connected to people. And they kind of just disconnect from the world because they see it as just all these problems. The third thing we've got is evangelists. Now, evangelists, they recruit to the cause. This is where I fell, and I'm telling you right now, again, at first I was like, I don't know if I believe this, but in the business world, these are those salespeople or these spokespeople who just encourage you to to really buy into something, right? They really want you to be part of the organization. These are people who communicate well, and and they're kind of infectious sometimes. That's what I like to describe myself as, is infectious. That's good. Infectious. Like, that's, that doesn't sound good. Um, but they recruit other people. And in the faith context, we're really, we're, we really want to push the gospel message. And we call for a personal response to God's redemption in Christ. And what we want to do is draw believers in to engage the bigger mission for growing the church. Now, I, I can tell you this is probably a little true. I, I can see some of this. But sometimes evangelists get so focused on reaching people and, and sharing the gospel that oftentimes we miss 
maturing and strengthening the people that we have already found the gospel. The fourth one is a shepherd, and a shepherd nurtures community and they protect. Now, caregivers, these are caregivers, right? These are the people that really care for the community. And what they do is they focus on protection, on helping people meet, matured, meet maturity and spirituality in their, in their faith. They, they love loving people. I mean, really, that's what they're about. They like making relationships. They like making and developing disciples. And, and this is the thing. These are people in the organization. If you look at the organizational world, the business world, these are the people who want everyone in the organization to feel cared for and valued. This is like your HR people. I mean, that's what HR is. Human relations is all about caring for people and making sure people feel cared for. And here's the thing. If all you have is shepherds, a lot of times they can value that stability to the detriment of the mission. They're so concerned with caring for the people that sometimes they miss the the mission itself. And finally, but not least, by any means, is the teachers. The teachers are the people who understand, who organize, they explain. And in an organization, you've got to have these people because they make sure that other people are trained, that the operations are running well. They've designed the way things run so that they run smoothly. And in the faith context, these are people who communicate God's truth and wisdom. And what they want to do is they want to help other people be biblically founded. They want people to feel that, to be grounded so that they can better understand God's will. They want to guide people into wisdom. They want to help the community remain faithful to Christ's word. And what they want to do is they want to create a a basic set of ideas or what we call doctrine that can be transferable so that more and more people can come into, into faith. And again, if we just have teachers, again, if we only have that one gifting in our church, then what we end up having is sometimes too much intellectualism, and it's just too many ideas and not enough action. These are important to have these ideas, but in its own way, just by itself, if that's all we've got, we're going to miss that personal and missional aspect of the church's ministry. Now, when we read through this list, when we see these five things, we also begin to realize that there was one person who modeled all of these, and that was Jesus. Jesus was all of these things at one time. Now, I don't know if you remember this from the 80s. I love to watch this cartoon called Voltron. There he is there. Um, Voltron was basically, it's back now. I think it's on Netflix. They got a newer, it says Defender of the Universe. That's pretty cool. Um, but Voltron was this big, these big massive robot. And it was basically, there was these space explorers that they had these cat robots they rode in. And when all these robots came together, they created Voltron, this big version of Voltron. And I bet you're wondering, what is he talking about? Like, I just wanted to talk about Voltron, so I'll just move on to the next thing. No. What really is happening here is that when I look at this, I think, man, Voltron's like Jesus, right? Voltron is like Jesus, because what it was was there were these five gifts that we have, but when they all come together, that's what Jesus is like. He's all of those things together. He's like this mega gifted Jesus, right? He's got it all. He comes together and he has all these gifts and he's all about expanding the mission. Think about it. Was he a prophet? 
Yep, he was a prophet. Evangelist, check, he got that one. He was definitely about, about pulling people in. Was he an apostle? Yep, he got that. Was he a shepherd? I mean, Jesus himself called himself the shepherd. Was he a teacher? And his disciples all called him teacher, right? He was all of these things. He was the perfect model of this. But what we've got to remember when I say that is that we're not Jesus. We're not meant to have all these gifts. You know, when God created us, he wasn't saying like, oh, you should have all these gifts. No, there was only Jesus could have all of these gifts in, at one time. I mean, we might have one or two of these at the most. And that's okay. God doesn't expect us to have all of them. You aren't meant to be like Voltron as much as you want to be. You can't. But remember what I just was talking about, about each of those gifts, if that's all we've got, we're going to have issues in the church. We're going to have something that's, we're going to have some people who feel left down, people who are going to get missed because we don't have everything working together. And that's why God gave each of us different gifts so that we could work together. That's what he called us to do. The purpose of these gifts was to build up and equip the church for ministry. We can fill every corner of the world and society if everybody plays their part. And so this is why today's big idea was we're made to do more. We're called to do more for the kingdom of God in a way where we're establishing a team of equippers who are also equipping other people to equip. I know that's a lot of equipping in one sentence, but it's true. That's what we're calling to do. We're not just called to make more believers. We're called to make believers who make believers. That's what leadership and mobilization is all about. And you may not look at yourself as a leader, but you are, because God's put a gift in your life to lead somebody. Paul put it best in, in this chapter when he says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is what he's saying. We're to grow our gifts and talents so that when we're all doing that together and we're all working together, we can do more for that mission of love, of that mission that God has called us to. And that, as a result, we can spread God, Jesus' love to all corners of the earth. The gospel will be known by all. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's something I don't want you to hear today. I don't want you to come out of this today saying, well, Chris told me I've got to do more. Like, I've got to go home and I've got to do more things. That's, that's not what I'm saying to you. That's not what God wants. You see, God wants us to do more of what matters most. And I just want to give you an, a little illustration here of what that means, and, and maybe this will help you understand. But when we look at our lives, when we start, we, we look at our lives like this container, right? And what we're doing is we're looking for ways to fill our lives. So, we're going to fill, fill our lives with these things. And, and so inside of this bucket, we've got some ping pong balls. They're going to represent those things that want to fill our life. And for some of you, you've got your family, 
that you want to fill your life with. And, and your family's important to you, so it's a lot of balls maybe for you. That's really important. Your family is so important. And for some of us, we've got our careers, right? And, and that's maybe not as important as our family, so it's not as many balls. And maybe for some of us, if we're being honest, that's more important than our family. So we're putting more of those balls in there because that's more important to us than, than our family. And you've got your friends who you spend time with. You got those take up some of your life. Maybe, maybe you do charity work that, you, that, that takes up some of your life, right? For kids, teens, college students who are here today, your life might be filled up with a lot of schoolwork or a lot of after-school activities or things you're involved with. So that fills up your life. And for parents whose kids are involved in things, that's taking up your time because you're going to their things, things like soccer, basketball, baseball, you know, choir, band... Boy Scouts. There's all kinds of stuff that your kids do, right? I could probably put this whole bucket in here for your kids. And, and those are some of those things are good things, right? And then we got bad things. There's bad things that fill our life. There's addictions that fill our lives. Things like drugs or alcohol. Things like pornography. Things like Overeating, depression, anxiety. Those things fill up our life. And then we spend some of our time looking at social media. Some of us do that a lot. I put a few more balls in there for that. It's an obsession for some of us. And then we've got stuff we're doing at church, places we're serving here at church, right? Like Grow Zone or Student Ministry or Outreach or Men's Ministry or Hub or Greeters. I mean, all those things are in there. Might serve in a couple of those places or two or three of them. And then we just got the stuff we got to do to be human beings, right? Well, those just fill it all, rest of it all in. Things like sleep. Eat, shower, I hope. And you look at this bucket, right? And it's full. There's not much to it. It doesn't, I'm not strong. This doesn't take much for me to hold this. And the thing about that is, is it's full, but it'd be real easy for me to knock this over and the balls to go everywhere. Because we filled it up, but there's not a lot of substance to it. When we take all these things that are competing for our attention, and we're quickly going to find that our bucket's filled up to the top. But then what we find is that Jesus wants to fill our lives with something foundational. That's what this is. It's a brick. It's hard. It's, it's, it's foundational. You can build things on this. It's not easy to move. It's not easy to knock over. And that's what God, he wants to put into our lives. He wants to fill us with these, these gifts, right? He's got these gifts that he wants you to really focus on and to build your life upon and to focus upon. Talents that he's designed you with specifically and woven into the fiber of your being. But look at your bucket. 
Can't get that in there. I mean, as much as I push, I'm only going to get it so far down in here. And these are just ping pong balls. You think if I dropped this on one of these ping pong balls, it would hold up? No, but all of them together, I can't get Jesus in there. I can't get this foundational thing in there. How do we make room? And here's what I'm going to tell you. These, these things in your bucket, not all of them are bad things, right? In their own context, some of these things are great things you should be doing. But again, they, if you're doing them without focusing on how that grows your talent, how that makes you continue to push the mission the way that God has designed you, it, it gets in the way. What we want to find is that God's not often calling us to do more things, right? He's not asking us to do a bunch of extra things that we haven't already done. What he's doing, and I'm going to change this big idea just from I'm made to do more to I am made to do more of what matters most. Write that down. Write it on your program, right? Take it home with you. Put it on your fridge. Put it in your car, Put it in, at your desk at work. Put it in your locker at school, right? Remember that God made you to do more of what matters most. And what matters most is what's calling you into that talent and into that gifting that God has given to you. So as we go into a time of reflection here, I, just, I want you to think about what you're putting into your bucket, right? What's in your bucket? Because what we're often going to find is that God's not calling us to try to find a way to fit him in after we've put all these things in first. Instead, he's asking us to pour ourselves out. Pour all these things out of our lives. Come empty. Empty yourselves. And then pray and really think about the giftings that God has given you and the things that will build into those giftings. And then he wants us to put those foundational items in first. Set that down inside your bucket. Put that in your life. And as we focus on that, we reassess our priorities and we reassess the things that will actually matter the most. We can start putting these things back in. Our family, our friends, our community, our church, our charity places that we're made for more, the things that we can do, the things that we can put in our lives, all of those, all those important things that we know are, are, that will never, that, that are actually part of our gifting that God has called us to do. And here's the thing, you can eliminate some of those things that are not foundational, some of those things that you don't need in your life. And now your bucket's still pretty full, but now... I can't knock that over easily. It's hard to, to even pick that up. I told you, I'm not strong. This hurts. But here it is. Jesus put that in. He wants that first so that we have a solid foundation and that we can build upon that foundation. And we can eliminate those areas where busyness is causing us to miss out on our full potential. And in that way, we can see that we're made to do more of what matters most. And we have a solid foundation that will not be easily turned over. Pray with me, please.
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, for the gifts that you gave to us. We thank you for the the mission that you've put us upon, that the gifts that you've called us to, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers that are in this room, Lord, all of them are sitting in this room that you have brought them here and that you have given them the gifts that you have given them. We just ask you to help us build our lives on a solid foundation, a foundation of you, Lord, so that we can fill all those other things in around it and we can become focused on your mission. We thank you for your, the sacrifice that Jesus made. And we, we pray that we continue to make full and take full advantage of that sacrifice. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.